Hey guys, this is your host Gooby, and welcome to the Toon Balloon Podcast, our outlet to discuss, theorize, and enjoy our favorite webtoons with the occasional anime and manga sprinkled in between. So, for this episode, I will be doing something a little different. The first half will be discussing a number of webtoons, and the second half will be about the latest episode of Attack on Titan. I usually split these topics into separate episodes, but I am working on a time crunch this week, so I thought of just mixing the two together. Now, there will be spoilers, and I will provide timestamps in the description box. That way you can listen to whatever segment that you would like to listen to the most. To start, we will be discussing the following webtoons. The Remarried Empress, Unordinary, The Escapades of Me and Tree, and Age Matters. Now, let's jump into the webtoons. First up, The Remarried Empress by Alphatar and Sumpol, episode 53. This chapter does a few things. One, gives me more reasons to hate the emperor, and two, raises more questions about Rashta's past. I'll clarify, when Rashta is speaking with Lebedi, Lebedi mentions how she won't become a noblewoman just because she is with the emperor. Now, that is true. <laughs> it kind of implies that regardless of Rashta's past slave status, she has been using her charms to climb the ladder. Now, I think we could suspect this from the very beginning, especially since in the first chapter she smirks, so that already added to the devious charms theory. <laughs> so I am questioning what made her prior ventures unsuccessful. Also, how much can we really trust Libetti? We have implications in the past that Libetti's brother sexually abused Rashta, but we could be getting other perspectives to trick us. There is one truth. Rashta definitely isn't playing her cards right. Hitting Libetti is going to bring up a storm of drama. Speaking of drama, <laughs> let's talk about Sylvia Shu. This man really knows how to raise my blood pressure. <laughs> he seems to always, and I mean always, want to put Navier down a peg and only wants this childish side of her, which in fact, I mean, she is a grown woman, which means she is not a child anymore. <laughs> he demands for Navier to give him a genuine smile, but this dude is so delusional that he can't even wrap his brain over why she would ever want to give him one ever again. I am not going to list the reasons why, because that would consume this episode entirely. Also, how has he not only been married to this woman for years, but also has been her friend since childhood. Like, how does this guy not know what makes her happy? I understand that he probably just doesn't listen to her, but I mean, come on. Navier has hinted before that he used to be nice, so at some point he knew her. So I don't know what happened to this guy. Like, he gets annoyed that she won't smile for jewels he gives her with zero effort. How does he not know this? Considering the time they have spent together, I would think this guy would have at least have an ounce a clue of what Navier's love language could possibly be. The answer to that, my friends, is Queen the Bird. <laughs> that is her love language. But seriously, 
I am curious of what Navier's love language could possibly be. This is just a little bit of like a, ooh, let's dig into it a little bit. If you don't know already, love languages are kind of how we receive love from other people and kind of what our preference is to it. So there are five in total. There is words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. Think of love languages as how you would prefer your partner or loved ones to show love to you. Before I got married, I had to do some premarital counseling so I can get a discount on the marriage certificate. Uh, Don't even get me started on that. I do not know why you have to pay for that. Anyways, (laughs) um, so we had to figure out our love languages and my strongest love language was words of affirmation. And I kind of feel like Navier probably is in the same boat. And I also suspect that her other strong love language could be acts of service. She's never really pleased with the jewelry and the rings and the bling because one, They require minimal effort. And two, she is used to these luxuries. That doesn't make her spoiled or outrageously privileged. It just doesn't warm her heart the same way as those letters that Heinrich sends to her or the loyalty her friends and her um, lady-in-waiting show her. Like, I feel like what really sets Navier's heart in a good place is when people really show her that they care about her and that is an act of service and with the the letters it's all about like oh i am here for you and she just wants people to speak to her in a respectful way and to kind of show them that they love her whether it is through writing or just by telling her that they appreciate her which is something that sovia shu does not do <laughs> I also want to point out that it would be so disappointing that you're having a really nice dinner and then he was bringing over like this silver platter like from the the waiter or something and he's just here like you need to open it. So my expectation would be oh it's probably a dessert. It could have been like a nice dessert that she really likes like she loves sweets. Like Navier is in love with sweets (laughs) and um, it turns out it's just a piece of jewelry. I think I would be mad a little bit. I'll be like, oh man, I was expecting a piece of cake because <laughs> he it, he brings it over to the dinner table and the first thing is like, oh, it's probably food and it's not. So that is, I think, and many other people agree in the comments that that is outrageous. <laughs> but you see, he can give these riches and these jewels to Rashta and she just, you know, gives him what he wants. He She gives him the expressions, the, the childish attitude towards it all because for one, she's not used to these jewels and these riches. And so she therefore has this crazy, oh, wow, this is amazing. And I'm gonna act like a little girl over everything. And she's excited about it. And he wants that out of Navier, but I don't think he really understands her and makes no effort to want to because he just keeps doing the same thing. I'm gonna give you jewelry that doesn't make you happy, oh well, just give you more. Like if you want a good reaction out of somebody, you would work hard for it. And he's not working hard for Navier because he doesn't think she's worth it, even though we all know she is worth it. (laughs) Now this scene was disappointing because I mean, Sylvia Shu has no clue about her personality, but it isn't surprising at this point. So I guess it's just, uh, okay, we kind of get it. But at the same time, come on, man. Really? (laughs) 
So with this episode, it ends off with Rasha feeling hurt for possibly not getting an invite to the tea party that Navier is hosting. Gee, I wonder why. But at the end, and I am speculating this because the image kind of has her wearing a different outfit. And I don't know, the way the scene pans over, I feel like she did get an invitation. It looks as if that the women are whispering about Rashta, like, oh, why is she here at the tea party or something? And we're probably going to get that in the next episode, of course. But we see Rashta's crying and, you know, she well, she's always crying. I mean, at this point, it's getting old. So and she's wearing something different, like I said. So I do think she probably did get an invitation because I think even Rashta mentions it too, like, oh, she's probably just saving face. And, you know, more than likely, Navier does care about her image because she does carry herself really well as an empress. But I don't think Rashta really understands that her position in the the kingdom isn't the best. And she keeps expecting everyone to kind of like accept her already when she really is a mistress and not nobility and I don't know. She she's definitely um, naive for sure. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I am just speculating that she had gotten an invite, but we'll never know. I guess we'll just have to wait for that next episode. And I am ready for it. <laughs> Next is Unordinary, episode 219 by Uruchan. Looks like we finally have Arlo telling Remy what he has found out about the authorities. He kind of clarifies all of the issues that has gone about about Remy's brother to what he has found out considering his aunt and everything. And he does ask Remy if she already knew about what the authorities were really intending to do and so of course he looks very hurt and Remy points it out which Arlo is just thinking man I was just that obvious <laughs> and so they have a really good heart to heart and it was just really really nice to see that he tells Remy that he has her back and that he doesn't want her to give up on what she is trying to do for everybody in the school. I know I have said it before but I am loving Arlo's character development. He has come a long way and I am so proud to see him become his own person and not someone who was molded by the hierarchy of the school or by his authoritative parents or his aunt or anything like that. He, he definitely is becoming his own unique personality now. I can definitely see a new Arlo with a lot of good intentions for the people he is trying to help and protect. We get to see Serafina talking to one of her friends and kind of is just telling her, oh, no, I, I'm not in the mood to hang out. Um, I'm going to go and head out and do some things that I have to do for myself. And so her friend doesn't pay no mind. She's like, oh, no biggie. But in reality, Serafina is going to meet up with Caden. And we come to find out that Caden is a college student. Caden is Lila's partner. And I think based on Serafina's analyzation of what he was doing at the park, he was studying some textbooks. And when you get a good close up of his textbook, he is studying organic chemistry. So I believe he could possibly be studying the things that Lila is doing, which is like disabling powers or even bringing back powers or even more of like what it is that makes 
superheroes exist in this world. And I am so curious as to what is the science behind this. I know that Lila is dating the doctor for the, um, not the doctor, the school nurse for the school that all the kids go to. And he used to study organic chemistry of a sort. So I can see that the two of them probably hit it off because of a shared interest. And, you know, Lila seems like a brilliant woman. So he obviously was going to be into that. <laughs> and so I, I do think that whatever Caden is um, studying, he is definitely looking into something that he can propose and work more as a professional in whatever organization that Lila is working under. So Caden ends up teleporting Sarah to the location where Lila is at, and it is a remote laboratory. And this is where Serafina is about to regain her powers. We don't get to see her get her powers yet. We just know that in this episode, we are preparing to get to have powers again. At least Sarah is going to. And it is really interesting of what is the process to get your powers back. I don't know how often people get their superpowers back. I mean, a lot of the times they're just working to disable powers, but I'm guessing that Lila knows what she's doing and that Sarah's going to be in good hands. And I notice there is a lot of, are you sure about this, Sarah, from Lila? And I noticed a lot of people were thinking, oh, there might be some sort of side effects from the procedure. But I think Lila is just trying to make sure that Sarah knows what she will be getting into. Sarah in this situation is desperate for her powers back. And so like many of us, she did not read the terms and conditions and instead hit, I agree. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting for Sarah to be put to sleep for something like this. I assumed that she was going to get hit by a, a ray or some sort of like, she was gonna jump into a machine and they kind of just spray her and she magically has her powers back. But I don't know how invasive this procedure really is. Um, I don't know if we're going to get good visuals of what's going to happen or, or anything of the sort, or we're just gonna have like a, we're going to jump into a different episode and not get to see what's going to happen to Sarah. I am slightly worried that there will be side effects for this or that her power may have weakened, but I feel like these powers were something that these people have created and mutated with. Uh, I'm gonna stick in some Marvel content here. You know, they have mutants. Maybe people are kind of like mutants and it's just in their DNA and you really can't remove that. So instead of what they are doing with this story and the characters and their abilities is instead of like some sort of magic, it's actually like DNA and disabling it really means to just, you know, keeping it stagnant and not letting it come out. But instead, if you want to um, activate it, I guess there's some sort of process for it, but that she will always have her power. It's just staying dormant whenever they disable their powers. It's just like how they say they weaken it with some sort of sound ray or something. In this case, they injected Serafina with some sort of drug and that took away her powers. So I don't think her powers ever just disappeared. It's just, it stays dormant. I am so worried for what Sarah will have to do for Lila when she does get her powers back. It sucks that 
Lila can't give back Serafina's powers without a sort of condition in place. I, I don't think Lila is in a place where she can just give powers willy-nilly. She kind of has to talk with a superior. And like before, she mentioned that she wanted to make sure that Serafina wasn't going to get targeted again for her powers because Lila doesn't want to take Serafina's powers away. She wants her to keep her powers. So as a way to keep Serafina in a good spot with her ability, she instead will pretend that Serafina will not pretend but we'll make sure that Serafina does tasks for the organization. So she will be held in the organization's good graces, but I have no idea what it is that she is going to have to do. She has already clarified that she does not want to use that disabler whatsoever. So whatever it is that she has to do with Lila, uh, Lila knows that it's going to be tough to do. It could be something like, it could be dangerous, who knows? So I follow Uruchan on Twitter, and recently she was discussing her progress with the latest FastPass episode and was saying, oh, my wrist hurts and everything. So Uruchan, please take care of yourself. We love you. We want to make sure that you're okay. And we thank you so much for all the hard work you do. But if you ever need a break, do not hesitate to take one because you always deliver such amazing content so regularly and we can be patient for you. Don't worry about it. And I noticed that when it was finally done, she was like, oh my gosh, it's over with. <laughs> and uh, I felt that for sure. <laughs> and I think that this episode must be amazing. It might be an action episode because I noticed she gets tired really, really intensely when it comes to very action-packed episodes because those do require a lot of work and there's a lot of dynamics and needs for that kind of stuff. So if you are capable, please support our dear author by checking out the recent FastPass episode. If you do check out FastPass, um, I try not to read FastPass just because I don't want to spoil myself and I want to be able to stay hyped with each episode. So if you want to, and if you can, definitely check out the latest FastPass because by the looks of it, it sounds epic. Here we have The Excapades of Me and Tree by Caitlin Murley, episode 20. So this is a really funny and cute canvas webtoon that I started reading thanks to Pot of Gold comic on Instagram. Thank you so much for this recommendation. When I read this comic, I finished it in a heartbeat. <laughs> it was so funny and so cute. And Natasha wasn't wrong. This is so slept on <laughs> and I think it definitely deserves so much more readers. I am going to give a short summary of the comic itself and then we will dive into the latest episode. So here goes. We all have a purpose and in chasing it, we all make mistakes. Though the mistakes of this adventure seeking baker may have created a murderous mob who is on a hunt to kill her and whoever tries to stop them. All me wanted was a donut filling. Blowing up that house was a total accident. Navigating a magical realm is tricky and falling in love outside of your homeworld is a different story altogether and one that Mindy Oakley was not prepared for. Okay, so episode 20 starts off with meat and tree causing a disastrous smell thanks to some bomb bomb nuts and lavender. Me decides she'll head out to collect some dragon's breath because supposedly it will get rid of the smell. <laughs> and so the comedic timing in this webtoon is too good. 
That bit with Tree mentioning what they went through to get the ingredients, oh my gosh, I laughed out loud <laughs> so much when I read all the chapters of this webtoon. It is so good and so funny with all of the snarky comments to just a really sneaky humor. It's very well paced and I love the little bits of like humor. It just is so funny. <laughs> So Tree tells me his concerns over not finding his planter yet, which I think is me, but who knows, I could be wrong. It could be someone completely different, but I definitely stand for the fact that me is his planter. Though he does mention that he would worship them off the ground and would do it out of respect and everything, but for him and me, they just kind of get along so well. So I don't know, maybe he just misinterprets what his planter should be. Mi runs into a small pop-up shop in the middle of nowhere. Somehow Mi has angered a witch and she plans to meet this witch in a random disguise. <laughs> and, and by the looks of it, it's just a giant bag of hair. I am so curious over who the witch is because could she have connections with that mysterious figure that keeps tailing Mi and Tree? I get the feeling the next episode is going to be hilarious because she is just covered in this bag of fur and here is Tree trying to, I guess, disguise himself with some bear paws or something. But I am so looking forward to the next installment. I cannot wait, but I will because this story is worth the wait. If you haven't yet, I sincerely recommend this webtoon if you are into fantasy, friendships, and adventure. This comic really reminds me um, of Adventure Time. Mi's sword that she carries around reminds me a lot of Finn's sword in the very first season. And it gives off that vibe of, ooh, some humor and some adventure. And there's that hint of seriousness going on in the background. But also, Tree kind of fills in that mystical companion that Jake does in that show too. But he's much more precious and green. <laughs> Anyways, this is an awesome story so far, so I recommend you go and check it out now. <laughs> All right, here is our last webtoon, Age Matters by Angelicious, episode 123. I just want to say thank you and delicious for retweeting my last tweet for the uh, episode eight last week. Um, it was so helpful and thank you so much for checking it out and being so sweet. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. So this chapter was a roller coaster <laughs> from Drunk Rose to Daniel's family drama to the Jackson scene. Rose is trying to keep it together, what with being intoxicated and all. So Dylan sits her down and meanwhile, we get a scene with Daniel listening to the phone call from Rose in the last episode. Daniel's grandpa is currently getting some emergency care. By the looks of it, he did get a heart attack. And I don't know if they're doing chest compressions or what it is, but Dr. Mike would be proud if they are doing chest compressions. <laughs> And we have Ruby show up. Can I just say that I really like Ruby's character. At first, when she was first introduced, I was on the fence because that's kind of what the author was intending. Um, we weren't sure if we should like her or not, but I think she is really fun and such a 
cool and very mature character. I really feel like she lights up a room when she's in it, and she really fills in scenes for me. I really enjoy her character. I'm glad that Daniel can rely on her, though she definitely deserves a lot more respect from her paternal figures. It it must hurt Daniel a lot that he can't get away from this family drama, and Ruby is just trying her best to kind of get herself in it so she can take over the business. The the father and the grandfather really don't respect um, Daniel's wishes and they push him around a lot. Like it's not fair and I have no idea how Daniel is going to get out of that mess that his grandfather's trying to come and bring him into because he keeps trying to make him this CEO and this heir to his riches or whatever the heck, but he doesn't want any of that. And I don't think it would leave a good impression if Daniel did take all of his um, riches and whatever the stuff it is, because if he took it and then he decided, I'm going to give it to Rose, it wouldn't leave a good impression for Rose because it would kind of humiliate her a little bit. I think in the perspective of, oh, this woman, all of a sudden she just gets all this money and these riches. I don't know what to expect from that. Because I don't think it would work in her case. She already is a powerful woman. But if news comes out that she wasn't originally the heir, I think it could really ruin her image. So I just have no idea how they are going to get out of it. And honestly, I just really hope that he can find a way to balance both his family drama with what he wants to do with Rose. Whether it's marrying her or at least spending more time with her. I hope he can get to Rose soon. And speaking of Rose, she got in some trouble again. I mean, sometimes she does and sometimes she doesn't. (laughs) But in this case, um, she kind of gets in trouble with these goons outside of the building where the party's at. And eventually her ex, Jackson, swoops in. And I was like, get out of (laughs) here. But at the same time, yes, help her, please. She's intoxicated and she needs it. I don't think Jackson would ever want for her to get beat. I mean, even if they had bad blood. Um, In no way would he want her to get attacked by these random guys in an alley. I am questioning what it is that he feels for Rose. I I don't know if it's romantic at all because we have had implications in the past from his last appearances that he could possibly still be in love with Rose or just not over her or something. Maybe he just doesn't want Rose to have a good life. Who knows? Because he's just like, I'm not going to let you go, Rose, and all this stuff. And I don't know what it is this guy wants from her. I know he's trying to make a rival social media company, and he's working with a secretary that was Daniel's recent one. And by the looks of it, he is just trying to get her back, or he's trying to get back at her. Who knows? He definitely doesn't know who she is anymore. He kind of got his thought of her really wrong because he assumed that she would never show up to this reunion, yet she did because she's unpredictable like that. Whatever happens, I will not be wavered by this guy's backstory. Whatever he has bringing up, I'm like, oh, this sob story, whatever. I will not. (laughs) I refuse. Although I am really excited for a short-haired Rose. I saw that little glimpse of her and I thought, oh, she's so cute with that little haircut. And she just, the way they looked at each other, there was love between them. I just don't know what happened. Like we know he cheated or he did something that just ruined their relationship completely because she can't trust anybody and her insecurities are at an all-time high. 
this flashback episode is probably going to hurt a lot and um, I'm not ready for that, but I am excited to see the gaps being filled in from what we already know about these two and what really started this story overall because technically them breaking up is what got Rose here in the beginning. She didn't end up in that apartment right next to Daniel because of nothing. It happened because she was trying to get away from her life that was with Jackson. So that episode is going to be juicy and I am so excited to read it in the next upcoming release. All right, so that is all the webtoons I will be talking about today. I am going to have a short musical interlude and we will move on to the Attack on Titan segment. We will be discussing the recent episode that came out last week. If this is all you're here for, then I guess I'll say bye to you guys. <laughs> and if you want to continue listening, just wait after this music and then we'll get right into it. Now it's time for our sprinkle of anime, Attack on Titan, Season 4, Episode 11, Deceiver. This episode starts off traumatically. We see Gabby pulverizing a Eldian soldier to death. When I saw that scene, I knew I was going to get a text from my brother telling me that I am increasing my kill count. <laughs> but seriously, that scene was brutal and my face must have looked like that meme of that one guy where he just blinks with astonishment. <laughs> Gabby and Falco escape to a secluded area, at least they think so, and Falco tells Gabby to take off her armband so they can go in incognito. Big brain Falco over here and small brain Gabby, she refuses to take it off because she doesn't want to appear as an island devil and that the armband is what distinguishes her from everybody else. But girl, come on, take it off. Take the armband off. It is a smart idea and you need to hide. But it's too late because they were fighting so much in the forest and they were being so darn loud that Kaya ends up overhearing them. Now, I kind of suspected that she heard everything that they were saying because by the looks of it, she was like, oh no, this is, I'm in a terrible situation. <laughs> but they are lucky that she is very generous because she offers them to come and eat a meal with her at her family's home, which is Sasha's house. Gabby and Falco go to the farm and Gabby's like, hey, let's go steal a horse. And I'm just like, girl, come on. She just offered you a meal. And I know she's in a weird headspace right now, but seriously, <laughs> I couldn't help but feel a little bit angry that she was immediately thinking, I'm going to steal a horse. And she couldn't bear to eat any of the food. Falco's here trying to keep it calm and stay rational, but she just can't fathom being around these island devils. And I was just like, oh my goodness, girl. <laughs> get it together but I know I know she, she's she got a lot of development coming I I just 
I can't help but not be impatient with her. <laughs> it's just, it's a little tough when she's already killed my girl, Sasha, and she's making it harder on everybody else she's around with right now, especially for Falco, because Falco is really trying here for her. And I don't know. Well, I guess she is just going to get what she is coming for later on in the episode. And we move on to a scene about Hanji talking to a bunch of people. And they mentioned that some of their info was leaked. And that's a cause for concern. And that info was leaked by three recruits working with Flouch. Also, Flouch's hair's like his haircut is distracting me. <laughs> Every time I see it, I just look at it. I'm like, dude, what is going on with your bowl haircut? <laughs> but anyways, I digress. They all get sent to jail, of course, because they leaked info. All for Ed and Jaeger. And so they get sent to jail because they're going to get tried in court. And Commander Pixies decides to go and confront Yelena. One of the girls that was put in prison by Mikasa is actually a girl that Mikasa saved in the very first season. And I love all of the callbacks to these side characters in this episode because you can really get a feel of how influential our main cast really is. You got Sasha and Kaya and then we got Mikasa with this girl. I, I did not catch her name, <laughs> but we do see like this comparison of like how different and the motivations can really change a person when they grow up, especially when they were so young and then became the way they are now. We go back to Falco and Gabby hanging out in the farm and Gabby is here trying to manage with the horses and I guess she's trying to see like, ooh, which one can I steal and stuff, but not even the, the horses like Gabby. <laughs> I... I just found it so interesting to see the dynamic between Falco and Gabby here. It was quite comedic. He's just, you're like, Gabby, <laughs> like just wondering what is happening. And it was just nice comedy for what we were going to get shown next. But I found it so interesting to see that Gabby here is forcefully getting pushed into enemy territory. Like Eden, she does get a taste of normal civilian life. I mean, Eden not only had a glimpse of what it was like to live in Marley, but he also experienced it those years that he decided to escape and grew his nice long hair. <laughs> and the both of them kind of get forced to realize that the people on the other side are not all vindictive and evil. Like some of them are just trying to live their life. War is absolutely awful. And to see that people get hurt on both sides, good, bad, neutral, you name it. And when Kaya takes Gabby and Falco to the abandoned village where she used to live and where her mother was getting eaten by a titan and where Kaya ends up getting saved by Sasha, I just was not expecting that scene at the end of the episode where the, the voice acting was phenomenal. It was powerful. Kaya demanding to Gabby, why was her mother targeted? Why was her mother killed and eaten by Titans? She didn't deserve it. And we all know that. I mean, they were just people living their life. But we get Gabby here shouting at her, angrily telling her that we have to repay for our sins. We have to pay back for the things that our past ancestors did. And Gabby is confronting this message that she has had embedded in her head since birth that you, Eldians, have to repay for the past. And she is telling this to this girl who is innocent. She has lived in a village all her life. Her and her mother were just 
being regular normal people and her mother had issues with walking and she ended up just getting um held back from everybody else like she they just left her there to get eaten by titans and it was wrong and gabby's just here yelling at her telling her no like yada 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 this is this is meant to be and everything and uh, i have a difficult time watching gabby not just because she is irritating and for killing sasha but that she is so brainwashed that she can't see what's wrong with this message this mentality that she keeps spinning no your generation is not responsible for these wrongdoings of the past your generation is supposed to evolve and learn not to be constantly punished and be used like these weapons for another person's gain or your military or anything like that. And just because your relatives did something in the past that was bad does not mean you're responsible. You are individuals, not a hive mind whatsoever. It is so malicious and so sad because she thinks this, this is what she believes. And you see that torturous look in her eyes, like this is what it's meant to be. And I don't even think Gabby wants to be punished like this. This is just like, this is the only way I'm going to get respected. This is the only way I will be able to live a normal life. And in reality, that shouldn't be the case. Just because people in your past did bad things doesn't mean that you have to go and be punished for those bad things. <laughs> it's like saying this guy from a, not even like your cousin, like your close cousin, it's just this dude way in the, the back of your <laughs> family tree ends up you know murdering a man and then they're like no you have to repay for it so you go to jail now it's not fair like come on gabby open your eyes <laughs> and i find this so ironic but so necessary it is so ironic because gabby is speaking to somebody that sasha has saved and gabby ended up killing sasha and you know kaya is here saying that she wants to be like sasha it's so ironic but like i said so necessary Gabby needs to open her eyes if she wants to develop as a character, if she wants to move on and actually be something that can be beneficial to her her own future. We end up getting a post-credit scene and it is in Marley with the commander talking to Reiner, Pieck, all of the other Titan shifters. And he kind of points out that, hey, we only found the arms and the legs. So Zeke has been working with the enemy and it's a... <gasps> Wait, we already knew that. <laughs> and so he decides that they are going to do a surprise attack. And oh boy, <laughs> that is going to be a doozy. And I'm expecting some action. At least that's what I'm hoping. But who knows? We got a lot of stuff coming up. We got a lot of things that are getting dug under. And we still have Zeke. I feel like we're still going to have to go and have Falco and Gabby end up talking to Zeke because, I mean, that's what their intentions are. They want to go talk to Zeke and tell him what's on their mind or something like that. We still have the few recruits that decided to leak info. We got Yelena, Eden doing Eden, and we are waiting for Mikasa and Armin to actually talk to Eden. And I'm really hoping we can get some answers from Eden. He might not give them anything. I think he really is just trying to keep everything contained in himself. I don't think he wants to put all this responsibility on everybody because from the last episode of this season, we we noticed that he doesn't want people to hold that burden. I think he wants to do it all by himself. 
I mean, they were all fighting for like, oh, who's going to take the, the tight end after Eden? But he just like, I don't want any of you guys doing this. I, I just want it all to end. And that's, that's really sad for Eden. And I'm, I don't know what he's going to tell Armin and Mikasa. I, I don't think it's going to be good news. But we know what? We're going to get a lot of drama. And I, I am looking forward to it. I really am excited for this next episode of Attack on Titan. Thank you, Pot of Gold Comic, for answering last week's question. What is your favorite genre of webtoons, anime, or manga? And with her answer, she said character-based, clean, so none of that um, <laughs> that nasty stuff, and um, drama, which I was like, oh, we got into a whole conversation. It was really, really fun, and I want to thank you so much for answering that question. So for this week's question... I would like to ask, what got you into webtoons, anime, or manga in the first place? For me, uh, I think I mentioned this in the first episode of the podcast series. Um, my friend introduced me to webtoons, and my older brother introduced me to anime when I was really young. So how about you guys? You can send me your answers, thoughts, or opinions through the SoundCloud comment section, or by messaging me through either of my social media handles. Both my Twitter and Instagram handles are the Toon Balloon. I would love to hear from you. Also, definitely tell me any other webtoons, anime, or manga you are interested in, and I may talk about them in future episodes. The Toon Balloon podcast can now be listened to on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Now, let's end this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time to listen to my humble podcast. I look forward to talking with you again. This is the Toon Balloon Podcast. I was your host, Gooby. See you next time.